0: This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier and today we're celebrating a milestone in avian history, the day when coal mine canaries were finally put out of a job. The day was December 30th, 1986. A British mining tradition came to an end when legislation officially ordered that all live canaries be released from the nation's coal mines. At the time, only about 200 canaries were still in use in Britain's mines, a steep decline from decades earlier. The government order gave miners about a year to bid farewell to the birds and make the switch to new digital detectors, something the government referred to as the electronic nose. As you're probably aware, coal mining is extremely dangerous work. Miners face threats like cave-ins, fires, and explosions on a daily basis. But the most insidious danger comes from noxious gases, especially carbon monoxide. When a human breathes in carbon monoxide, the gas replaces oxygen molecules in the bloodstream, and as a result, organs and tissues are supplied with poison instead of oxygen. Acute carbon monoxide poisoning causes a headache, dizziness, and shortness of breath, but as the gas accumulates, it can quickly prove fatal. Carbon monoxide is released through the burning of wood and coal, so clouds of the gas can form easily in the enclosed space of a mine. And since it's completely odorless and colorless, miners typically wouldn't notice the gas until it was too late. That is where the canaries came in. Starting as far back as the 1890s, British miners would descend into the mine carrying one of the small yellow songbirds in a cage. If the canaries stopped singing or showed any sign of distress while the miners worked, they took it as a signal that something in the air was unsafe and that they should evacuate the pit immediately. This crude but effective method of detecting the presence of carbon monoxide was employed for nearly a century. It started on the advice of Scottish scientist John Haldane. He investigated the properties of many different gases, including their effects on the human body. His research into the effects of carbon monoxide poisoning led him to suggest the use of small animals for detecting the gas in underground mining operations. Haldane noted that white mice would work well because their fast metabolism would cause them to show the effects of poisoning before the gas impacted human workers, thus giving them enough time to escape. However, Haldane noted that canaries were even better suited for the task. Like other birds, canaries require large amounts of oxygen in order to fly. To meet this need, their respiratory systems work in a way that allows them to get a dose of air, not just as they inhale, but as they exhale, too. That means that, compared to a mouse, a canary will breathe in twice as much air in the same amount of time. And if the air is poisoned, the canary would show the effects twice as quickly. England wasn't the only country to follow Haldane's advice. The US and Canada both used canaries for the same purpose starting at the turn of the 20th century. The practice was popular not just because it was effective, but because it boosted morale, too. Many miners came to regard their feathered co workers as protective pets, bright, chipper companions who guarded their masters in the way a dog might. In the dreary conditions of a coal mine, the happy singing of a songbird was a welcome sign that all was well. It's only fitting then that the miners came up with ways to repay the favor and protect the canaries right back. For example, in 1896, a device was created to help resuscitate coal mine canaries. When one of the birds lost consciousness due to carbon monoxide, the door of the circular cage would be sealed, and a valve would be opened, allowing fresh oxygen from a tank to fill the enclosure and revive the canary. Typically, this would be done first thing after a mining accident, and only afterward would the miners evacuate the area. Still, clever gadgets aside, the practice was inhumane. By 1986, there were better, cheaper, and more effective options. The new electronic gas detectors were handheld, even more portable than a canary in a cage. Plus, they gave digital readouts of gas levels on a screen in real time. Still, the digital detectors weren't as comforting or as cheerful as the canaries had been. According to the BBC, Quote, The birds are so ingrained in the culture that miners report whistling to the birds and coaxing them as they worked, treating them as pets. The 1986 report went on to say that although the miners were deeply saddened by the decision to phase out the canaries, they wouldn't fight the change. In a parting show of care, the miners recognized that the birds would be better off without them. These days, the biggest reminder of the canary's role in mining is the overused phrase a canary in a coal mine, which is a metaphor used to describe something as an early indicator of potential danger. It's hard to believe the practice alluded to in the cliché was only discontinued in the mid-1980s, but on the other hand, canaries weren't even the last animals to retire from the mining industry. Horses and mules, nicknamed pit ponies, were used to haul up coal from underground mines until 1999, at which point they were finally replaced by machines as well. Today, phrases like coal mine canaries and pit ponies seem antiquated, and many would assume they refer to much older practices than they really do. They may not be the practical terms they once were, but they're still important reminders of an even harsher world of coal mining. One that, thankfully, no longer exists. I'm Gabe Lussier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can write to us too at, thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.